Coming up on Saturday is our latest culture file debate recorded at the National Botanical Gardens as part of Dublin Book Festival. This edition touches on the territory of the naturalist bookshelf and indeed features Paddy Woodworth and fellow naturalists with an interest in bookshelves, Lisa Fingleton, Anya Murray and Gwen Wilkinson. They've come together to discuss the word wild and its place in the book trade and the future of the planet. And we'll hear that on Saturday, but this time we warm up for the culture file debate with a special edition of The Naturalist Bookshelf in which Paddy Woodworth considers the wild word. The word wild flourishes in our culture today, even as that same culture eradicates many of the last places we commonly think of as wild and threatens most wild animals with extinction. The word wild sells, at least to urban consumers. Following the runaway success of Isabella Tree's book Wilding, itself, I think, a misleading title. Wild has become an almost automatic naming choice for publishers of nature books, whether their authors like it or not. And it has become a problematic buzzword as some environmental groups rebrand conservation and restoration projects, often very good ones, as rewilding. It's helpful to remember, perhaps, that the attraction of the wild, however paradoxically, is a product of industrial civilization and also that it had a very different meaning when wild places and wild animals were indeed commonplace. For thousands of years, settled agricultural societies regarded wild places as hostile and dangerous, as indeed they often were, and fit only for further settlement. These cultures generally idealised pastoral landscapes and lifestyles, while wild places were wilderness, the haunt of savages and monsters. There were exceptions, Shakespeare's Wildwood, with its echoes of Eden, of our hunter-gatherer past, still held an allure. It was a space of freedom, benign enchantment and transformation. But a much more influential text, the Bible, told the story of humanity's exclusion from Eden, and it sentenced us to the hard labour of transforming natural landscapes into agricultural ones. As late as the 18th century, writes the American environmental historian Bill Cronin. Wilderness meant places that were deserted, desolate, barren. In short, a waste, the words nearest synonym. No one in their right minds, he might have said, would have gone there for forest bathing. It was only when industrialization and intensified agriculture destroyed most pastoral landscapes that we see a radical shift in the cultural perception of wild places, at least by urban elites. The wild, though very often in tame versions, morphed into the ideal refuge for all that is best in the human spirit. Think Wordsworth, think Thoreau. The movement towards wilderness itself, real or imagined, took a much more radical turn in, where else, the Wild West, with the creation of the great American national parks. These very novel institutions depended, however, on erasing other human civilizations from iconic sites like Yellowstone and Yosemite. Yet these indigenous civilizations had managed these landscapes over millennia and did not regard them as wild at all. John Muir and Teddy Roosevelt were key figures in this movement. And their banners were picked up again in the 1970s by the group of deep ecologists who coined the concept of rewilding precisely in the American West. 
some of the problems with their focus on a supposedly non-human wilderness are identified by Bill Cronin. In its flight from history, in its siren song of escape, in its reproduction of the dangerous dualism that sets human beings outside of nature, wilderness poses a serious threat to responsible environmentalism. And he continues, It is not the things or places we label as wilderness that are the problem. For non-human nature and large tracts of the natural world do deserve protection. But it's rather what we ourselves mean when we use the label. The idea that nature is most natural when unimpacted by humans fails to grasp the now universal extent and depth of those impacts. The superficially attractive idea that the natural world flourishes best when simply freed of human presence often only results in accelerating extinction. Effective management of invasive alien species and of climate mitigation are crucial for effective conservation and restoration. But perhaps the most critical problems with the unreflective use of the words wild and wilderness lies in the cultural insensitivity of some of those using them. The romantic turn towards a positive perception of the wild has indeed been vital in helping our societies appreciate the spiritual and material values of diverse ecosystems and the imperative to conserve and restore them. But it has been mainly influential among urban cultures. It has had much less traction with those who make their living on the land. Many farmers in many countries still see the wild as the antithesis of their life's work of managing land to produce food. We need to recognise that branding desperately needed conservation measures as rewilding sends the wrong message to these vital stakeholders. When farmers hear the word wild, they often read it as abandonment, as an insulting rejection of their entire contribution to society and as a direct threat to their livelihoods. The agribusiness lobbies and associated right-wing politicians were able to manipulate these concerns very damagingly during the recent debates on the EU's crucial nature restoration law. There are much better ways, surely, of communicating the urgency of conserving and restoring our landscapes than sticking the wild label on every single conservation project. The wild word has many positive resonances for people already passionate about nature. But for the many, perhaps the majority, who do not share this passion, it is often an insuperable obstacle. We must not let a romantic word get in the way of what needs to be done in reality. Paddy Woodworth on the word wild, and you can hear what happened when the Culture File Debates panel take on the wild word this coming Saturday, 6.30pm, here on RTE Lyric FM.